I'm a Methodist reverend, but I was raised Catholic, and I still have a very warm place in my heart for the Catholic Church. When I was a boy going to Catholic grammar school, the sisters did a lot more than teach the kids. Now, grammar school was first through eighth grades. The sisters made sure that there was breakfast in the convent before school for any kid who hadn't had breakfast. And any kid whose family couldn't pay for lunch was quietly nodded through the cafeteria line without paying. One day I was with a buddy of mine. We'll call him Tony. I am, of course, changing details of this story to protect his privacy. His family had five kids and very little money. His father had a chronic medical condition and he hadn't worked in years. They barely survived. Now the sisters made sure that Tony had uniforms, as they did for many other kids. By collecting used uniforms that kids had outgrown, cleaning and patching them, and giving them to kids who needed them. They ran a regular uniform recycling operation, with parents routinely bringing in uniforms that their children no longer needed. Parent volunteers did much of the work, making the used uniforms look as fresh as possible. One day I was hanging out with Tony on the playground after school when one of the sisters, we'll call her Sister Anne, came along and asked Tony if he had enough clothes for after school. I imagine that Sister Anne or one of the other sisters had noticed that Tony was wearing undersized, tattered clothes to church on Sunday. He said that he could use something new. She asked him what he needed most, and he said, pants. So she put us both in her car and drove us downtown to a men's shop. It was a long, narrow store with racks of clothing for men and boys at the front and deep in the back, an area where tailors worked. As soon as I walked in with the sister and Tony, I realized that the big man in the back of the store who was being measured for a suit was John Wayne. I'll get back to this story. I'd like to look a bit at the book of Colossians. Many people consider the Bible to be a book of fables and nonsense. But to me, it holds thousands of beautiful faith stories, and these stories tell me what faith does for us, if our faith is sincere and not hypocritical. Colossians was written by Paul to a city called Colossae, in what's now Turkey. It was a prosperous city with textile and wool dyeing industries. The church there was probably founded by a follower of Paul. Although Paul is the stated author of the letter, and there is good reason to believe he wrote it, there are many scholars who question this, as it does contain a vocabulary not found in his other letters, and the letter doesn't focus on Paul's favorite topics of righteousness and justification by faith. By the way, Paul had never been to Colossae at the time the letter was written. One purpose of the letter is to argue the divinity and the saving powers of Jesus Christ. 
Another is to teach us how to live in this world as faithful people and in a way that honors God. In our old way of doing things, we competed viciously with each other, but now we are to have compassionate hearts and to live with humanity, humility, and kindness. We are to be forgiving always. In the part of the letter where this passage comes from, Paul, or our pseudo-Paul, is arguing that Christianity is not a way of hiding from the world in some sort of spiritual isolation. Our faith demands that we be shining lights in the world. We must be on good relations with our neighbors and run our households and our lives in honorable ways. Much of what the author teaches us reflects the ethical standards of Hellenistic and Jewish authors of the day, but in this part of the letter, we see a specifically Christian slant to this, and that is that we live this way because it is what our God and what Jesus Christ expect from us. We are to live for our God, and we are to live not for the approval of humans, but in service of Jesus Christ. I've abbreviated it, but the passage says this, Whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord and not men, you are serving the Lord Christ. Well, having been brought up as a Christian kid, I knew exactly why Sister Anne had decided to help some kid in the congregation. This was her way of serving God, pure and simple. Her life was dedicated to helping children, just as Jesus often dedicated himself to, sh to showing a special love for and a sense of protection of children. Let's look at a tiny bit from the book of Proverbs. It's from the Old Testament, or what a lot of us call the Hebrew Bible. Nobody's spiritual book should ever be considered old by anyone, and so maybe I prefer the Hebrew Bible. Now, the Hebrew Bible is full of stories that ring true, in fact, even more true today than when they were written. The Hebrew Bible tells us that right and wrong and the challenges we face as people have never changed. The book of Proverbs is a collection of short sayings that give advice on how to live a virtuous life. It is one of a collection of Old Testament books that are collectively called the books of wisdom. These also include Psalms, the Book of Job, the Song of Songs, and Ecclesiastes. Although most Protestants don't include them in the Bible, Catholics and a few other denominations also include a book that is itself called Wisdom and the Book of Sirach for a total of seven books of wisdom. Now, a quote proverb in biblical literature is any compressed instructional statement that makes use of artistic language rather than normal written or conversational language. A proverb is pithy. The book gets its name from the opening verse of the book, which is, quote, the Proverbs of Solomon. In truth, Solomon might not have written very many or any of these proverbs. Over the course of the history of Israel, there arose three groups of religious leaders, priests, prophets, and wise men, who are also known as sages. It is this last group of people who wrote the Proverbs. 
The priests, by the way, issued laws, and the prophets spoke in the place of God. Scholars believe that the sages or wise men, the people who wrote the Proverbs, were a professional class in Israel, and that the book of Proverbs was carefully collected from the writings of these people. The sages were highly educated, and they were respected for their practical insights into morality and psychology. The sages promoted a form of happiness that was attainable through obedience to ultra-high moral standards. Consider this proverb. Train a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. The meaning is obvious. If you start early with kids and teach them moral ways of living, they will be far more likely to live that way and to pass it on to their children. A society that maintains a high ethical standard of living by focusing hard on how it instructs children is a society that will remain moral. And parents need to know this. Well, many years after Sister Anne took Tony and me out to get some clothing for him, I happened to go to Tony's home. As I recall, we were in our late 20s at the time. He started talking about Sister Anne, and he reminded me of what she had done for him. I had actually forgotten the incident with John Wayne until he started talking about it. I said something like, well, it sure was nice of her to do that. What he said has stuck with me all these decades. He said that his parents were good people. They loved their children and they loved God. But his mother in particular was bitter at the very hard life that she had lived. She was a caregiver for children and her husband and had almost nothing for herself in life. As a boy, he heard his mother complain repeatedly about other parents in the church who could drive fancy Chryslers and eat steak every night. Tony said that he might have grown up just as bitter as his mother if it hadn't been for Sister Anne. You see, I didn't know it, but Sister Anne took him shopping a lot more than that one time. She took a lot of kids shopping. She spent the tiny allowance the convent gave her each month, almost entirely on clothing children. Tony said it was Sister Anne who gave away what very little she had, who made a compassionate, empathetic person out of him. It wasn't just the things she bought for him that molded him, he said. He said it was the love that he'd got from her that she gave voluntarily, that made him what he was. Sister Anne wasn't his mother. She didn't have to take care of him. Once he told her that he really appreciated her helping him, even though he hadn't earned it. She told him that her love for him was like God's love for him, completely unearned. I'd like to look at the tail end of the Gospel of Matthew. If you've never read the Bible, the Gospels are an easy place to start. The shortest one is Mark. Matthew and Luke appear to be based on it. John is somewhat different than the other three, and it's a bit more spiritual, I believe. The passage I want to read to you is a passage I dearly love. It's Jesus' great commission to the apostles, 
spoken to them after he has risen from the dead. He tells them to go out and spread Jesus' teachings of love, forgiveness, and empathy for all people, and that Jesus is the true Lord. The passage says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to, to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's that very last line that I love the most. I am always with you to the end of the age. I'd like to get back to Sister Anne, the men's shop, and John Wayne. You might remember that John Wayne was in the back of the store being fitted for a suit. While Tony was trying on various pairs of pants, a tailor was running a tape measure all over John Wayne's body, pinning this and that, offering recommendations on what shirts and ties would go with the suit. I realized at one point that John Wayne had noticed us. He flashed a smile our way. Sister Anne nodded back and then walked over to Mr. Wayne. She introduced herself as a sister from our grammar school, and she said that she was just helping out one of the boys in the parish. John Wayne complimented her, saying that what she was doing was very good, and then he offered to pay for whatever she was buying the boy. And when she said it was pants, he suggested that she get the boy a belt, too. I believe he said something about his family facing some tough times economically when he was a kid. He said that he was sure that Sister Anne's actions would impact Tony in a big way. That was all the invitation Sister Anne needed. She proceeded to whip out a donation envelope from our church, saying that there were lots of other kids in the parish who were in need and that she regularly took up special collections for them. I'm not going to pretend that he reacted warmly and gleefully to this request for more money, but with a bit of a chagrined look on his face, he did give Sister Anne a big handful of cash. Perhaps noting that he wasn't the most willing donor, Sister Anne told him that she hoped he knew that God would always be with him, even until the end of the world. I hadn't remembered this. It was Tony who told me years later that Sister Anne quoted the end of the Gospel of Matthew to John Wayne. I think her specific version of this quote came from the King James translation. Sister Anne worked heartily for God, as the passage from Colossians tells us. She did not do it occasionally or when she had spare time. She lived that way. She was a godly person who lived her faith and loved her opportunity to offer her life to the Lord. 
This gave her the nerve to solicit a contribution from John Wayne while he was busy being fitted for an expensive suit. She also knew how to train a child and how to make sure that child would go on to live a Christ-like life, as the proverb instructs us. And finally, she knew that the best thing she could offer any human was the promise quoted in the Gospel of Matthew, and that came from Jesus himself. I am with you always to the end of the age. If you can ever get to the point where you truly believe this, your life will be lifted up.